Welcome to Life As We Know It. This is a radio program broadcasting from KCR radio station. And I'm your host for this hour-long segment. And it's a pleasure to have you join us today. So this is a new radio show, um, really uh, born out of the fact that I, I really love to hear people's stories. And I think that it's a real source of um, encouragement and also um, it's a bit of obsession for me love to hear people's biographies and I love watching biopics as well so um, I hope that this will be one where people find uh, positivity encouragement empowerment and also a lot of inspiration from learning about other people's stories so my name is Jasmine Ho I am a mature student at KCL and um, I uh, aim to fill the sessions with interviews um, hour-long interviews with um, KCL students from around the campus. And um, if you're listening live, unfortunately we don't have a live segment up just yet, but if you do, uh, we do have a WhatsApp um, channel where you could write messages or even call in if you feel up to it in um, the upcoming radio shows. So if you're listening to us as a podcast, um, just note that I am on every Friday, 11 to 12 p.m. Um, so, yeah, uh, hopefully you will enjoy this segment. And I, it gives me great pleasure to uh, be able to introduce to us today Robert Panico, who's in the studio with me today, about his story. Um, it's a story of um, really the power of kindness, the power of education and love, which was born from... Life of struggle, from what I can hear, um, much hurts as well, some violence, unfortunately, and um, the pain accompanied with the difficulties within finding his self-identity and validation, isn't it? So um, without further ado, I'll get Robert to introduce himself very briefly, and then we'll go into the interview. So yeah, hi, Robert. Hold on, hold on, hold on, let me get you up. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. And I'm very blessed to be here, so thanks uh, for having me here today. And uh, yes, as you say, I will try to bring my story as much as I can to, to empower people. So that's my commitment today, to empower vulnerable and diverse people, communities, through my story. A complex story that starts since I was uh, a child uh, and uh, um, fighting on my way, like on my life journey, I would say, fighting against the stigma of neurodiversity, of gender diversity. So let's start. Yeah, so let's start with your youth. It wasn't an easy time, was it? So and you did choose a song. So just so we can ease into it, let's listen to how that song, you know, has framed it and then we can, we can talk. Sure, yeah. let's go ahead. Perfect, so the song Nirvana. that you've chosen is uh, Silver by Nirvana. So let's see if this plays. Mom and Dad went to a show They dropped me off at Grandpa Joe's I kicked and screamed, said please Grandma take me home, Grandma take me home 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 I had to hit my dinner there 
So there's lots of home in that. The, yeah, the, lots the of. The mention of home in that um, song, isn't it? Lots of emotion. Yeah. For so me, that's, um, yeah. the song is a little bit representing myself uh, young, like younger uh, and not really caring about the system, about myself, not knowing, even not knowing myself. Uh, uh, and working the journey of social care and uh, youth justice because uh, I was a child uh, presenting challenging behavior for yeah. this since I was really a child. So I remember my mom, she was uh, bringing me to any place in summertime when we were out of school, asking people if they could keep me for summertime to do some jobs uh, because I was uh, literally like very dynamic. So my adrenaline was like literally too much for them. And uh, uh, the, so from there, from my youth, the challenging behavior have been displayed uh, and causing problem because my family splits, but I've been taking the situation very different from my siblings. I was uh, um, challenging anything in schools. I was starting taking drugs and alcohol. Uh, so at 16, I end up in my first care home. That, that doesn't sound easy. For a no, it wasn't. It doesn't sound easy. But at the time, I remember that I had just uh, a feeling that I need to go. I need to leave. I can't stay. Like I, I didn't feel belonging. I couldn't feel belonging to my house. I couldn't feel belonging to any place. I've been changing for care home, and the last uh, care home was uh, the one that made the difference. Mm. I was arrested at 16 in my first care home mm. for my challenging behavior. I was straight uh, as a, uh, as a literally as someone challenging, not as an individual, a teenager with a personality, with an identity that might be diverse. In fact, when I had my first uh, diagnosis at 17, this was hidden from me. Yeah. So I never been aware of my neurodiverse uh, um, identity. Yeah, you did mention you were actually warded, weren't you? You were hospitalized. Yes, exactly. I was for a week. Uh, I just remember that for a week I was in a hospital uh, surrounded by autistic children. But I wasn't questioning. I just knew that uh, my life was troubling. I was causing a lot of trouble. So I was just again there for a new test, a new psychological test. But uh, I never, never associate being in the hospital with autistic children and me being autistic. They just didn't tell me, they just, uh, for four years, I was just empowered that I was special. Mm. I was, uh, I could do anything I want in my life. Mm. So uh, the stigma, this is, was, is, is what has empowered my life. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. as I loved him for then 15 years to run away from place to place, to move from countries, to change jobs, to travel a lot, to meet people. But I was a uh, Navy. I didn't know about uh, that I was running away. I was uh, just thinking that uh, I want to leave place. I want to leave a relationship. However, the reality is I couldn't keep yeah. relationship, place, you and gave you that passport to go everywhere, which is what you were leading to yes. traveling, wasn't it? Yes, and exactly. And uh, as if uh, they didn't tell me about my neurodiversity, they, they gave me the love, they, they replaced the value that I didn't have in my childhood. So I was able to, to be arrogant in some way. So rather than uh, what's happened for neurodiverse people, for example, you arrive like 
we are still uh, understanding what's neurodiversity. We are still trying to work to make place inclusive for uh, neurodiverse people. So at the time, if I, I knew about me, probably I was stopping because I was considering myself a disabled, mm. but it, it doesn't happen. It didn't happen because uh, people in care, they, they love me. They treat me in a special way. I was spending Christmas with them, uh, with them at, in their home. I was spending Easter, all the, celeb all the events with them, but I never, never questioned why. I was just treated a little bit different. And that treatment was uh, for me a gateway for uh, my future for to get out also from addiction later in life. Yeah, yeah, it's a very, I think, um, a kindness from, and love from people there obviously sparked you on and you managed to get a diploma, didn't you, during that time? Yes, I was out from school, I was taken out in my first care because uh, I, my challenge behavior because of uh, um, high consu consumption of alcohol at in schools. So at 16, I was taken out from, uh, um, from, from school, from high school. And uh, later in my fourth, in my last care home, they also managed to, br to brought me back to school and to complete, uh, um, to achieve a diploma. And that is by no means easy, I would have assumed, with all the things going on as well. But because of people believing in you, that power of belief in oneself and believing you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think so that uh, love and uh, uh, believing people. That's why today I'm very committed to equality, diversity, inclusion. Mm -hmm. Because uh, diverse people, it doesn't matter what's your diversity, but diverse people often go uh, through a complex life journey. And uh, from my story, I, I'm, I believe, I know, I'm certain that uh, you just need uh, sometimes one to three people in your life, across spreading your life, I would say, to be empowered and to, to just be empowered to follow your dreams mm -hmm. and to get up again from every fall. Yeah, but you obviously have this um, energy that's you know, you didn't quite understand what it was then, but you had this, you were spurred on almost to to go somewhere. So where did you go next? Tell, tell us about that. Exactly, so from Italy, I left uh, to Switzerland because uh, uh, 19, when I was out of care, I, I, I knew already, I don't know how, but I knew already that uh, there wasn't place for me in Italy. So I left to Switzerland where I found my first, where I started working on um, in season, in season, so dif in different restaurants, uh, every three, four months I was moving. And <clears throat> so also there it wasn't a problem because of the opportunity to change job every three, four times for me was uh, enough not to be on a full-time job and then understanding f after one year that something was wrong and I need to leave. This happened when I started my first full-time job in uh, Switzerland which I kept for about four years, five years, but uh, how for a neurodiverse person? And uh, there I was also <coughs> starting my transition journey mm. from female to male. Mm. How did I keep uh, uh, a job for uh, four to five years? By doing drugs. By doing drugs, uh, today I know that uh, uh, being addicted to cocaine was uh, my copy strategy to be able, for example, to have a uh, um, small talk, to be able to have fun like uh, everyone else. So we know, it's well known that uh, hospitality, as uh, um, it's the environment is toxic, that's mas toxic masculinity, 
many places. I wouldn't say all places, all the kitchen, all hospitality places, but uh, in many, many places, uh, that's uh, this toxic masculinity that uh, isn't right for me and uh, for my feeling, for who I am, for how I speak out for people usually. So I was finding myself for the time, for example, um, speaking out for someone that was uh, uh, targeted by bully in the kitchen. So there was all the time someone that didn't speak the language or was just uh, much more sensitive and was always uh, uh, taken by jokes, on jokes by other chef. Uh, so I've always found myself speaking out. And when, what happens when you speak out uh, in a place uh, where uh, everyone has the same culture, you are the only one different? You feel shame. You feel, uh, you marginalize yourself uh, because uh, you feel shame. You feel that you did something wrong. And that is uh, uh, the feeling that I always had in my life. But uh, in that time in Switzerland, I was uh, using drugs. So it was uh, literally my copy strategy from every single day that wasn't, any morning, any night where I didn't take drugs, just also to work, to go and work and be happy and be fine. Mm, yeah, and thank you so much for sharing that because that, you know, that, that's honesty and frankness there, um, especially about your struggle with addiction. But tell me how, how you managed to get yourself out from that and to your next step. That my next step uh, come from my first step. So the, as we were talking before about uh, the power of love, of kindness, uh, while I was in that situation, I was also um, living with a partner that I wasn't treating well because uh, of all these conditions, all these circumstances. I felt something inside me that uh, my life was uh, worth much more than that. Mm -hmm. I felt that uh, I want more from life, that, uh, it wasn't me, that wasn't my identity. I just felt like when I was a child, when, like when I was a teenager, like, uh, like I felt uh, all my life that I didn't belong, that I was, uh, I was looking for something more. And so a day I just uh, talked to my friend and said that uh, I want to leave. I just want to leave to Australia, to the other side of the world. For me it was uh, going, living, for me living in place and people has never been just uh, breaking up was uh, for me always an opportunity to change again my life, to look again for a place to, for, to belong. And that's what I did uh, I, from the time where I became conscious that uh, I wasn't going just down and not on uh, my life journey, on my direction. I just uh, did my baggage in a month time. I left everything, so I left uh, jobs, my house, my car, my pets, uh, just one baggage, one ticket. And I didn't speak English at all and left to Australia brave that is so brave and actually you know I think it speaks to I think a lot of us especially mature students I think um, a lot of people I've spoken to so far they have had a, you know some life-changing moment and then they discovered either themselves or they just decided you know what I'm just gonna go for it and then that spur of the moment decision um, I forgot to mention actually, during our interviews, we, um, well I encourage uh, my interviewees to choose music that mm -hmm. describe a certain point of their lives. Um, and I think it's been really helpful. And certainly the next song was, is very apt 
for <laughs> where Robert went to thereafter. So um, yeah, I'm just gonna play it and we can talk about it. Yeah, sure. What do you think? Great. Feeling my way through the darkness Guided by a beating heart I can't tell where the journey will end But I know where to start They tell me I'm too young to understand They say I'm caught up in a dream Well, life will pass me by if I don't open up my eyes So that's fine by me so wake me up when it's all over When I'm wiser and I'm older All this time I was finding myself And I didn't know I was lost So wake me up when it's all over When I'm wiser and I'm older All this time I was finding myself And I This song. Oh, <laughs> oh, I was just telling Robert, this is one of my favorite songs of Avicii. So thank you for sharing this. Yes, yeah, say like this. Uh, uh, this for me was uh, were the best uh, years because I wasn't aware of what I was doing. I literally wasn't aware. So I was just partying all the time yeah. and not taking care of myself. But you packed up. You went to Australia and then. Yeah, tell me what Yeah, exactly. So that's uh, where uh, my life really start to change uh, uh, because uh, it was changed a little bit when while I was in care, but I was four years in care, so I was protected. Then I was kicked out in the world without knowing why, where I was, uh, why I was running away. So I was a little bit, yes, having fun, but not taking care of myself, so not pursuing my dreams, my aspiration. I didn't have aspiration, actually. And uh, when I moved to Australia, for me it was uh, I'm moving because uh, I'm going to change. I'm moving because uh, my lifestyle is just keeping me down. I need a uh, uh, change, a big change. I didn't know the language. I didn't speak English at all. I didn't know anyone there. But just I pushed myself uh, for one year, working with English people, Australian people, Irish people, so I could start talking and ever and meet people out there. And then I went living in a forest. I met some people, some we became a very close friend. We were four of us. And we went uh, we moved in Cairns, like about two thousand kilometers from Sydney in a van. And there we really it's where my life changed. I didn't have money. We literally had like five dollars each for each day oh to make <laughs> yeah <laughs> to make uh, lunch and dinner but every single day in the forest uh, we were living in a tent uh, uh, we were making food like we, i was cooking i was a chef at the time so with some just ingredients for five dollars ingredients i was uh, cooking for four people like we were in a restaurant <laughs> <laughs> making great pasta and so yeah there i was waking up in the morning 6 a.m feeding the chicken I have a chicken tattoo <laughs> to remind me. But waking up so 9 p.m., I was already in the tent because in the forest uh, there was no lights. And there where uh, I 
I clean myself from As all the detox. toxicity. Yes, I detox myself, uh, and uh, from there I start thinking, okay, who am I? What I want to, go, where I want to go, and who, what I want to do in my life. So I just uh, open back my drawer, my dreams drawer, and uh, remind, like, remind of all my life, always trying to fight for people, speaking out for people, be on the side of the most vulnerable because I didn't know that I was vulnerable as well. <laughs> So I decided to come to the UK and uh, with like I was out now from 10 years from education with a diploma in hospitality from Italy. So how could I get into an university in the UK? I just said a personal statement forwarded to about 50 university. I was called back from two in, the, in London and uh, I start uh, from there in 2019, uh, foundation year in uh, youth justice with six months uh, English class, academic English. And uh, since there, I didn't stop. 2022, mm. I graduated in youth justice. Yeah, so that that is obviously, you know, and you mentioned as well, that move was not easy from learning zero English going to Australia, mm. hanging out socially with people, picking up their language. Oh and my I gosh, it was Australian well. from the street. Australian is a slang. <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot to mention Robert went from Italy to Switzerland and had to learn a new language there to work there. And so there, French. Yeah. And so there, that's why I say um, I was speaking out for people because people were coming from Italy to work with us. I was already speaking French. And I could see other chefs from France, from Switzerland, targeting people that uh, didn't speak French, for yeah. example. And for me, it was uh, standing up for them. Yeah. So I think, you know, I don't know about how my listeners are thinking about, but I'm in awe. I, I struggle with languages. So obviously, you got a gift there. And you used that gift, and you knew you didn't even let language stop you. I, I know that quite a lot of people here, maybe even international students, might feel very, um, you know, they might be struggling, feel, you know, not included in a lot of things. And your experience of what you said during that one year, how you were sitting behind for like the first few months. Oh my you know, gosh. Not actually knowing anything the lecturer was speaking, that, that would have been, I mean, people would have given up, but you didn't. That's what I love from my experience. That's why what, when people say your experience are complex, were hard. Literally, like for me, a uh, life lesson. So at the time that I started university and uh, for the first couple of months was sitting in the corner and my, usually I'm hot outgoing because I'm autistic, but I also have ADHD. So I love to socialize, but then I need to withdraw if I don't want to burn out. <laughs> so finding myself for the first two months in the corner because I couldn't get a word. I couldn't literally get a word of the discussion in the class. They were discussing about so social issue, something that I was really, and I couldn't say a word. You're passionate about what I mean. For social justice, of course. Uh, and however, I was just thinking, you know what? I went in Australia. I went, I didn't, like usually people try to find their community. I always, I didn't find, I ever found my, I still find looking for my community, I think, <laughs> so I will create my community. <laughs> but <coughs> I'm sure thinking, you'll find a lot. 
Exactly, that's why that's why uh, today by knowing my university and by knowing that uh, the way our process find solution can be slightly different from because we have a persp different perspective. So uh, I'm commit today and I launched my business in coaching and facilitation because I believe in the power of connection and validation. Mm. And actually we do have a song for this time, isn't it? Yes. You've, um, you've chosen another rock band. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's, uh, well, I will tell you later why. Yeah, 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 sure. So we're going to listen to it now. Yeah. Um, Exactly. Uh, I would say somewhere I belong. When I left uh, Australia, I wasn't. I was like now. I was a young adult, so I want something from my life. I want. Uh, I was hoping to move to the UK and find stability. Find finally okay, going back to education, start my career, and uh, uh, find stability. But I didn't know that uh, my stability was still far mm. from me. Mm. But you were working full time in advocacy, wasn't it? Yes, uh, also uh, the first year university. So after the foundation, during the foundation, I've been still working as a chef, 
first year university I changed my career. I was uh, already working children homes, homeless service, and by the, the second year I was working a youth offending service. So now I was seeing people, like young people coming to the office, like I was. Mm, mm. And that's very powerful, the fact that you had your background. And now that background is in effect empowering you to go into all these streams of um, advocacy and seeking people who are marginalized, who were treated unequally in your eyes as well, um, discriminated, wasn't it? That discrimination yes. came up quite a bit when I was uh, talking to you. Exactly, and uh, again, because, uh, because uh, um, probably because I'm neurodiverse, I don't usually stop to appearance. I don't usually, I always look for the root of problem, for the root of anything we can think of. And uh, uh, when I start seeing young people from black and minority ethnicity, always in the office, going come back, even in children homes, in some independent units, 16 plus, the people, the young people coming to this service were always pretty the same. Always young people coming from difficult background, from minority background, and it's there where I start uh, questioning myself uh, if uh, that was the job that I needed, that I wanted, that uh, if uh, I could enough bring a change in that way by w just working directly on the front line. And uh, my answer was uh, not, because uh, I start uh, uh, to, to be interested in equality, diversity, inclusion. I start to see numbers about uh, institutional racism, about uh, discrimination, societal discrimination, and uh, uh, I start came much more close to equality, diversity, inclusion. Also, because of my last full-time job, uh, I was again about to run away. I was feeling again the same, disempowered, and uh, rather than running away, I met the uh, diversity and inclusion team, and this when uh, I could. I start to be coached by the head of equality, diversity, and inclusion, and uh, where I start to identify my identity on the spectrum mm -hmm. and my ADHD identity. Mm -hmm. So from there on, I start to research, explore, and understand a little bit what's neurodiversity. And uh, uh, I could just, uh, I, w I was assessed a few months later, I was assessed, I got an NHS test, and there my answer on why I was uh, leaving all the places, all the relationships, all the jobs for all my life. Yeah, and, and that journey for you to finally get diagnosis that was probably there all along, hidden from you. I think we spoke about how you tried to contact your um, Italian yes. carers and educators. Yes, uh, and that's uh, all like, uh, I think so we can come back and talk. Uh, I definitely know, <laughs> we will signpost this. this is being talk this about neurodiversity yeah. and the stigma, for example, yes, as I yes. say, like when I was in care, so I was kicked out into the world uh, as uh, someone special. So for 15 years, I was just arrogant. So I was living in a relationship, I think, okay, I don't need you. No, I can't sustain this relationship because of my neurodiversity. So uh, that moment when I start to see that my life was uh, again on the same point. And, but this time my lifestyle has changed. I was doing gym, I on, was on nutrition, 
on a healthy nutrition. I didn't do any more drugs and party. Like I try, I was trying to avoid as much as I could party. From also by living in the share house, I know, in like in the weekend having some drinks together and fun together. I was trying to avoid because I, I knew I start to knew my limits. Mm-hmm. I but at the time that uh, I met my partner and went to live together, I was uh, just uh, l- I jumped back when I was 16. Mm, in yeah. the in terms that uh, uh, I wasn't able to express my emotion, everything was a trigger. I wasn't able to hold uh, a discussion, Rita, I was able to cry and uh, uh, like I was ending up crying and uh, closing myself into the wardrobe, for example, mm. because of an argument. So that is where I start quest- questioning myself, why this was happening again? What, uh, where was the answer? I started like, thanks to EDI, I came close to the neurodiverse world. I start to get some awareness, I get assessed uh, and there with the diagnosis, it's uh, like literally allowed me to to get to know myself, to get to know my weakness and to get to know my strengths. Until that, I just was convinced of my strengths without knowing my weakness. And for example, if you don't know you are of your neurodiversity and you take a transport in London, a public transport every single day, the noisy is a trigger, light can be a trigger. So if you don't know yourself, you can come back home and just argue with someone because uh, that's uh, anything can become a trigger now, okay? Because you are already overwhelmed. Mm. And this was happening to me. When I start to observe myself, because I've been an observer all my life, and I consider myself an observer, uh, it's uh, when I start to see that my trigger wasn't my partner, wasn't many, things, people, like in general people. My trigger was uh, the noisy for living, from living in a flat where you can hear the outside outside sounds, noisy, was uh, lights, was uh, all different things, yeah. but not people. And, and I, yeah, I was particularly um, encouraged in a sense from your story about the fact that you found your neurodiversity diagnosis actually in turn empowered you to find ways in which you can cope better with that and that therefore which lead us to this point in your life isn't it you're in King's King's College London (laughs) yes you're doing a master's exactly so what I could like uh, why did I come to King's uh, and on global culture um, master program Uh, because uh, my story my life story or taught me that uh, any diversity can be oppressed in society because society is working hard to be a better place, to become a much more inclusive place, a society sustainable for everyone. And so my life has taught me that uh, any diverse people that has uh, experienced oppression is connected together. So I can, I always felt connected to the most disadvantaged people, to minority groups, to minority individuals. And I want just to understand more. And when we want to know more, we need to go back to history. Mm. And so global culture is allowing me to connect my life experience to uh, history and diversity inclusion in practice. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a hunger from you to want to know more as well. And that seems to be, I think, a theme in all of us, actually, all students here. And 
what I guess makes your story so inspirational is the fact that you never stop pushing the doors open. You never let the stigma affect you. You found ways. You were a problem solver as well, which is a lot to say for. I guess a lot of us now, where you know we see a problem and then we kind of stop. Sometimes we freeze almost. I've been yeah. thinking to stop. Like it's it's a feeling. It's no, you don't even think to stop. It's a feeling when you can't get up from bed. Yeah. In the months where I start understanding myself, my identity on the spectrum, identity of what what is driving my life. So becoming conscious that uh, I've been running away from my whole life. That I've been um, that I've been feeling hunger, for example, for my family situation, and that wasn't the complete picture. Mm. So by becoming unconscious of uh, many, many factors, I, of course, the first months for me was so like, I didn't want to get up from bed. It was just uh, like too much. But at some point I was just uh, up mm. and saying, okay, that's just, uh, that's just a difference now in my life. I know my weakness, I know my strength. So mm. I can uh, prevent to burnout right now. Mm. I can prevent so many things that are driving in my life. It's not easy. It might be much more complex than <laughs> my mm. life journey already. But uh, now I've the tool. Mm. So that's the difference from uh, that's that's something that's my mission as well. I want to go back to Italy, not to live, but to bring a pro like to to contribute uh, on understanding on bringing much more awareness on neurodiversity. It's still. Uh, a stigma so the people loved me the people gave me a hope in the future the people in a, a care home in my last care home at the same time they could have done more when i tried to call them recently to talk about this they shot they shot they it was like i was calling them to say ah you know you did uh, this with me you didn't have to you did no for me it was a uh, much more of a positive talk uh, by bringing awareness on neurodiversity but it's not still a thing in italy yeah no i think when you told me that that was yeah i was a bit godsmacked in modern day europe wherever you were staying in south italy you mentioned um there's still that much stigma attached to neurodiversity and just being different which it's is you say in your experience in the UK it's very different isn't it it's very a it's a very very different I think there's a lot of confusion <laughs> around the argument because uh, maybe in a in a place like London they can't like that's what Italy say uh, see they see London on TV and they see this increasing of neurodiversity young, you see. So the understanding of neurodiversity in Italy is uh, uh, now everyone is neurodiverse, it's just people lazy that are looking for a diagnosis because uh, they don't want to work, because they want accommodation, they want uh, adjustment. Uh, no. The no, you're a living proof that that's not the case. That's not fact. the case, and that's uh, what I've been like. What I've been trying to talk to say when I talk when I call them uh, was uh, probably uh, young people they shouldn't need a diagnosis because they should have uh, someone carry for them and treat them as they need. So no, as a in general not because they are children or teenagers, yeah. but exactly, yeah. but to treat them uh, depending on their needs. We are all different. All of us, all of, all yeah. human have a brain, a unique brain, all of us. Uh, and if you treat your children, your teenager in a way like uh, as he need, uh, as they need, uh, it will be, they will be empowered. 
Of course, it's uh, this change uh, when you are an adult because when you are an adult uh, with a diagnosis, you can ask for adjustment. You can ask for different adjustment in uh, education and in your profession, for example. Mm, 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 yeah, these are all touching really topical stuff. And, you know, as I mentioned, we're gonna, because of all the things that, very, very amazing things that Robert has to say, we, we will have to make it into two parts. Um, Unfortunately, because we're offline, um, the second part will likely be a podcast or something to, to attach on. If I can, if the radio station ends up being live, then I would love to bring Robert back again. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to try to record a second segment so you can catch up uh, his story on a streaming service uh, that's available on KCL Radio website. So if you would like to find out more about Robert's um, uh, life as well as the parts where he's talking about you know the unconscious bias you were leading to um, the stigma his new ambition now what he wants to do um, and also you know I have questions I have specific questions I ask every interviewee so he's going to try to answer that um, so yeah just really hope that um, you enjoyed this interview and you were encouraged by his story and we will come back for more shortly. All right. Thank you, Jasmine. No, no, bye. Thank you. Yeah, bye everyone. Bye bye.